0: I believe in miracles. <laughs> Since you came along, good God, you sexy things, James Dyer and Kay Ribeiro. Hi. What a way of introducing this podcast. Hello, Pod. I'm Chris Hewitt, and welcome to the latest Empire and Pilot TV podcast crossover event in association with our chums at Disney. Plus. And this one is in honor of the return of the full Monty. Or as someone who lived in York at the time when the movie came out, always heard it full monte. That's <laughs> why. That's why I heard it for years and years and years. Full monte. Uh, anyway, the full monte, the phenomenon of 1997, uh, that was for a long, long time the biggest British film of all time at the box office, is back, back, back in limited edition form on Disney Plus. All the original cast are back: Robert Carlyle, Tom Wilkinson, Mark Addy, Leslie Sharp. Steve Hewison, Paul Barber, Hugo Speer, the gang's all here. But this time, they're keeping their clothes on. And before we get in to discuss the show and the 1997 film and all kinds of shenanigans, let's hear from some members of its cast, shall we? Because I had the the great pleasure of speaking to Mark Addy, Leslie Sharp, and Steve Hewison together. So. Dave, Jean, and Lomper, uh, and that was yesterday in London. And then this morning, I leapt onto Zoom very, very early indeed and spoke to Robert Carlyle, A.K.A. Gaz. And what a pleasure both of those were. First of all, you're going to hear from Mark Addy, Leslie Sharp, and Steve Hewison. Enjoy, Mark, Leslie, Steve. Welcome to the Empire Podcast slash Pilot Podcast. It's a crossover. It's a whole thing. I'm not going to get into it. It's very complicated. Anyway, <laughs> welcome back to the full Monty. Thank, Thank you. you very much. Is this a surprise to you? <laughs> when, when, when did you first hear about it?
1: It was, uh, it was a while ago. Simon uh, sent an email saying, myself and Uberto Pasolini, who was mm. the executive producer on the on the, the movie, and Simon wrote it, obviously, we're, we're looking at doing a State of the Nation piece and it seemed to us a, a sensible way of doing it is through the eyes of characters that we met quarter of a century ago, are you interested? Yes. Was you know <laughs> because it was and you know, you know that when 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 Simon is in charge of writing something, it's yeah. a no-brainer. It's it's not going to be something that you would be picky about. Yeah. Uh, he knows these characters, he's lived with them uh, all this time. And uh yeah, totally uh it was and I didn't know where it was going to go, how it was gonna how it was going to work. It was uh, that, so yes, I'm on board, Uh, look forward to seeing the the words Um, and not disappointed when that happened. And Leslie, same thing for you?
2: Yeah, the the same, really. You know, um, this is a possibility, this might get made. If it did, you know, would you be interested? And it was like, yes, yes, of course. And also, you know, Gene in um, the film um, was... I suppose, arguably, she was a satellite character because the emphasis was on uh, the way that the demise of the steel industry had affected the self-esteem and self-confidence of that group of men. Mm-hmm. Um, Jean was Jean and Dave's relationship was a very important emotional beat in that story, but she was a she was a satellite character. So there was also, for me, the added. Um, you know, I was really gratified that Simon had included me and the character of Jean in his plans for, you know, what he had in mind. And um, you know, I wasn't disappointed when um, the scripts came in and I saw where he'd imagined she'd gone.
0: Uh, and Steve, what about yourself? Did you, you get that email, or was it a phone call, uh, it, or was a plane it, flown it, over your house? Uh, uh, what well, well, uh. happened?
3: It was it was a phone call. I was sat in a. Sixteenth century cellar at the time, looking at some uh, <laughs> some human bones. Was this, to, was this uh, job hobby? <laughs> was <Well, it's>, it? <laughs> it's a long story, it's, and they've been dead a long time. Um, <laughs> <Good>. it's, all <laughs> the, it's all in the police report. <laughs> as long as you have an alibi, that's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah and, and and yeah, the, the phone went, and uh, I, I haven't heard from Simon in years, and. I, I, he, he said would would you be interested in um we, we we're doing a, a we're considering me and Huberto are considering doing a, a series and uh, yes I said yes straight away. <laughs> straight away um I was just honored I think to be to be because he said uh, how much I respect you as a performer and I, you know I thought I'd been forgotten. Over the years, and <laughs> and I, I was just looking at these bones, thinking that's me next. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, I said, yeah, Count me in. And did he did he say you were going to be climbing high above Bramble? No, I didn't and... mention any of that at the time. No, he didn't. He didn't give me anything <laughs> other, or, other than all uh, his own stunts. You know, really, <laughs> our very own Tom you know, Cruise. I was going to say,
0: or or Harold Lloyd, or whatever.
3: I was up there on on, on uh, that gantry. Uh, yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, that's well, we we, we
3: could have we did have the option of shooting it in um, you know whatever the whatever the term is in a studio with the green screen, uh, screen green screen, yeah. screen, whatever. We went and had a look at that, and um, I, I said to the stunt chap, I said, "Wouldn't it be better in in reality?" If, you know, if I did it, he said, "Well, are you up for doing that?" I said, "Well, if it'll look better," he says, "It always looks better in reality." Yeah, he said, "Come on, let's go and have a look then." Said, yeah, yeah, I can do that. I'm terrified of heights, but but you know I, I, I trusted the crew. Then, you know, yeah. so
0: I'm I was also terrified in, of heights. I was Watching that heights. sequence was was a <laughs> white knuckler, as they say. I'm like <laughs> I'm uneasy being on this chair right now. <laughs> I'd, be, I'd be
3: a lot happier on the floor. Yeah. But you were happy. how yeah. many feet up? Are you?
0: That's that's. Oh, I'm
3: I'm I'm terrible. I'm terrible. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> De- Delft Cathedral. I was a, up a few years ago. The steeple of Delft Cathedral. It's You've got this spiral staircase and then these little alcoves that you can stand in while other people had come in past. And I stood in one and the door opened behind me and I suddenly found myself in the gutter of Delft Cathedral oh about 200 feet up. And I froze. They, they, they had to ease me out of, out of the gutter and back in. I'm, I'm, yeah. You were nervous so how long you were on the maps.
0: <laughs> Google Maps man. yeah. Anyway, enough um, about me. You're <laughs> You became a landmark of local interest <laughs> <laughs> at some point. Um, but I'm, I'm fascinated. I'm always fascinated by the idea of um, a, a writer and actors coming back to characters that they created 25, 26, 30 years ago. However long, uh, however however long it is. In this case, obviously, it's, it's 26 years now. You know. And do you, as actors, think about these characters once you play them the first time around? Once a Full Monty comes out, we'll talk about the significant impact it had. But once that movie came out. Are they gone for you, or do you begin to think about? Do you still think about them from time? I wonder what Dave would be doing now. I wonder what Jean would be up to. I wonder what Lombard would be up to.
2: It varies. I mean, it. it but you know, there are certain jobs that you that you have a real fondness and affection for um, because you loved the character, but also because you had such a good time with the people that you were working with. And the full Monty definitely falls into that category for oh, me. Oh. But actually. You have to be, you know, although you sort of join forces and you become almost like a family, um, like a a, a creative community, when it's done, it's done. Mm. And actually you have to let it go because otherwise it, you know, it would drive you crazy and you've got to sort of like move on to the next thing and and let it go. So I can't say that over the years I I wondered what Gene and Dave would be up to. But then the minute that Simon said that he was – thinking about, right, you, you think, oh, well, I wonder yes, what... where they might have gone to. I wonder what they will have done, you know? It so. is
3: a bit difficult to escape the characters at times when people shout, oi, droopy tits, <laughs> across the street. Look, like, like, I apologize, okay. right. <laughs> I'm assuming they're talking to me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> or the steep set where the, the one that uh, I guess most of us most often get is, Oh, I didn't recognize you with your clothes, John.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Damn it! That was my next question. <laughs> but I, I guess it, it, it does come back to the the cultural impact of of this film. I, I I was living in I was a student in York at the time when the movie came out, and I just remember that film hitting like nothing else I'd ever seen. I had friends who worked in the in the cinema in the Odeon, and they you know you'd go meet them after the the cinema closed. And what's on? What's on three months after the movie's out? in the main screen, full Monty. And it, would, it would close, yeah. Yeah. and then hundreds of people would just be disgorged down the stairs. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's just
1: incredible. And the demographic, because I'm, I'm from York, and, yeah. and my mum used to take a carload every week, different friends to go mm. <laughs> every week, my which gosh. is like... <laughs> but she said, no, the amazing thing, when it first when it first opened... It was your 18 to 39-year-old, the average, you know, your average cinema-goer.
2: What was the um, rating? What was call it? No, yeah, was it PG or was it X? 15.
1: was 15. So your average, you know, but then the following week, it was like they told mum and dad, you know, no, you, you should go and see it. And then it was the grand pet. The audience yeah. got older, and then and then it was the men because the men had gone, Oh, oh yes, no! It's I'm it's not going to say that was a woman. <laughs> that's <though." what> it <laughs> <was> about <Both laughs> taking the clothes. I don't want to say men taking the clothes. So yeah, yeah, to start with, there were a lot of kind of hen party type yeah. audiences that, who then went and, and dragged their the husbands, husbands along. Like, yeah. oh, this is this is all right actually. Yeah. And how many yeah.
3: times have you been to the cinema, uh, watched a film, and and people have applauded at the end?
1: Yeah.
0: It's very rare, especially over here. Very, We're too yeah. reserved for that sort of thing. But.
3: Yeah. yeah, yeah. I've never, apart from Land and Freedom, I think. Yeah. Oh, all right, yeah. That got a round of applause when I saw that. But, um, yeah, I've never been in a cinema where people have applauded a film before.
0: And it, it had an extraordinary impact culturally, and it must have had an extraordinary impact on all three of you. In the immediate aftermath of the film, Monday was it... Was it a, a cross to bear uh, for a while? Was there was there worries about typecasting, or did you use it as an opportunity to to push on and do new things? It was a
3: it was a mixed thing. I mean, the, the, I suppose the good thing about it, as I always said at the time, was that it made the industry realise, oh look, he can act. Um, yeah, yeah. And so you know, I didn't have to keep proving myself all the yeah, time. Yeah. I still had to audition for things, but you know, mm. people. I had something to chalk up there where people could say, oh, yeah, we know you can do it. But at the same time, the casting directors, who I don't think they had a great deal of imagination as to, you know, they just saw, all right, northern, working class, uh, probably gay, lives with his mother, mm, security guard kind of character, well, call up Hewison. And, you know, after a while you get, you know, it's very different to theatre where, you know, previously to that I'd been playing a genie. In a, in a primary school production when when i got off of the job i, I didn't tell them that i was touring doing a literary <laughs> play for five-year-olds wow well. but you know you, you you can go from playing all these vast... I've, I, I played a lump of cheese once in a in a play you can do, you can do that but then as soon as i see just one thing on screen that's it <laughs> it's very difficult to break was it the mouse trap?
0: You set them up. (laughs) (laughs) It was difficult to break
1: the mold. (laughs) Oh,
0: you damn. You damn it. Leslie, what about yourself?
2: Well, (laughs) um, you know, I think probably uh, the boys were the focus of the aftermath. But, I mean, to my delight and surprise, I was nominated. Um, as best supporting actress at the BAFTAs, um, which was brilliant. And I think just, it, it's just if you've been in a successful um, film or television show, even if you're not at the centre of it, um, there's still something about what that means you can bring into a room if you're being considered for another role and might give you, you know, might put you slightly ahead of the game. So um, I'm very grateful to um, to the film mm. for for what it added to where I was at that point in my mm. career. You know, it was um, it was great. And Mark,
1: Ch- uh, yeah, changed my. Uh, I was. I, I think uh, when it came to promoting the movie in the states, because it opened in America before the UK. Bobby was sh- busy shooting. Tom Wilkinson was off shooting, and so they said, "Will you, will you come and do the the press?" Thi-? I'd never, I hadn't done a movie before before that. I'd done theatre and and, and start making my way in TV. Uh, so, and i spent Oh now I'm, I'm scheduled to do uh, one of the Ruth Rendell mysteries. <laughs> over I mean, as you said, well, maybe you should, we, we can do, <laughs> we can scrub the Ruth Rendell and uh, maybe you should go and, and did a whole, you know, t- and it was a, it was a complete eye opener doing, literally going, you know, American TV talk, you know, idiot wide eyed northerner <laughs> talking about his film that he's in and uh, what have you. But the whole of, because I, I was there as it took off and just started to, cause they only opened on like six screens, Handful,
0: yeah, yeah,
1: you know, two in LA and four in New York or the other way around. But they'd they'd um, they'd put the word out really really heavily, so people were queuing around the block to try and get in, and that generate that word, and then the word of mouth thing started uh started happening that so then of course when it came here it it was the little british movie that's do, doing big business oh. in america oh, yeah. sundance which really sundance good. yeah but we were there for that and uh so yeah and so anyone who was anyone in hollywood had to see it because the it cost that much and it's taken why aren't we why Why isn't that the system that we're oh, yeah. working what's the formula? on give me the formula what's the secret yeah uh but also, you know, it was interesting. The kind of loss of anonymity is uh, <laughs> is very weird. So it's, to go from you know people just watching you as you walk by to people going, "Are you that bloke from?" to people going, "Are you Mark Addy?" is a real uh, and that happened mm. relatively quickly. To go from being just just some guy walking down the street to people knowing your name. Was a bit of a, you know, I mean, it's hard to uh, get your head around that. Yeah. Um, but you know, there are there are worse things to be known for, I suppose. <laughs> which is uh, so. Yeah, you know, I am. Uh, you know, it was a it was a life, cha- career changing uh, movie. Absolutely. Well, let's let's talk then
0: about where Simon has found you guys, so found your characters again in this. Um, mentioned it a little bit. We can't talk about it. In, in great detail, but Dave and Jean's marriage, I mean, there's 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 some darkness at the center of it now. And, you know, and it's still very solid on the surface, but not necessarily underneath. Mm. Was that a surprise to you both? And was it uh, exciting to play and explore that, that side of their relationship?
2: Definitely. Absolutely. In the film, yeah. they were sort of the poster couple for um, mutual support, affirmation and um, love full of love mm.
1: love hope for the future a brighter you know what yep. i mean a better and actually, future
2: you know in the hands of someone else you might have said actually they do they tick all of the boxes that you're supposed to tick so they might have had two or three children mm. who by now would have gone through school and gone through further education and be up and running in the world and maybe had children themselves and that they were grandparents. And so what do we make of that situation? But actually what Simon did was he said, no, they didn't have kids. What did that mean? How has that bent them out of shape as people, in as individuals and as a couple? And then suddenly you've got something really interesting to explore because what it does to Jean is make her access her ambition And her educational aspirations. So Mm -hmm. she's gone through teacher's assistant, teacher, deputy, headmistress, and now she's running a school. And that's not a bed of roses either. But that's where her safe place is, um, you know, connecting with her internal engine. Um, And Dave has slightly retreated. He's been her cheerleader in the way that she was for him back in the day and said, you can do anything, go for it, go for it, go for it. But what that means now is that they're sort of out of whack and uh, and the conversations that they have needed to have, that didn't happen for us. That's still really painful. Mm. They haven't had and actually that means that they're in a dangerous place because the tectonic plates of their mm. relationship have moved and are in danger of really shifting to a point where they're not connected anymore. So there, it's death by a thousand paper cuts, which I think that a lot of um, relationships can fall into. Um, but so I didn't see that coming with Dave and Jean. So to to read that Simon had invested in them in that way mm. and given them that story to tell i thought i think is is really bold and um you know it's it's also about the pair of them kind of having to take responsibility for their part in the failure of their relationship yeah. at this point and that's really interesting too it's very it's and done, it's done in a very three dimensional way
1: yeah so completely no 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 that's all right uh, the, the, there's a there's a point at the end of uh, we, uh, we obviously can't talk. We've got to be careful. Mm. There's a point at the end of episode two mm-hmm. which, when I was reading it, I had the same response that both our preview audiences had, which was a kind of visible intake, Audible. Of, br- intake of breath at what? Yeah, what has uh, what is happening? Yeah, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and that's that's really rare when you. I mean, yeah. reading a script that actually shocks you.
0: There's so much to explore here, guys. I've got let you go, but there's there's so much to explore here. There's so much depth and shade and 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 barely repressed anger about. You were talking, Mark, right at the beginning about this being a state of the nation piece and the nation's in a state relations in a
2: state, yeah, but it's yeah. explored by Simon with wit, warmth, generosity and goodwill. Yeah. So um, he pulls no punches in his writing, but he ameliorates that with great heart and love mm-hmm. for the characters and for that community.
0: Absolutely. Well, guys, I'm glad to go. Uh, Steve, Leslie and Mark. Absolute pleasure. Thank you so much Thank indeed. Thanks, Steve, you. back your Thank bones. You. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that was Mark Addy, Leslie Sharp and Steve Hewison, And now let's go straight into Robert Carlyle, shall we? Begbie himself, Gaz himself. Yes, indeed. One of our best actors. Here he is talking to me. One of our worst interviewers. What a marriage. What a match made in heaven. Enjoy. We're delighted to be joined on this Full Monty podcast by the star of Full Monty 1997 and 2023, Robert Carlyle. How are you, sir? I'm doing very well, thank you. Good, good, good. Uh, Is this all a bit surreal?
4: Um yeah to a certain extent, I suppose you know there was there was never any kind of um indication that this was ever going to happen, so from that perspective yeah um but you know now, now that we're kind of now that the kind of the band is, bandwagon is rolling it seems um uh, it's 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 good it's very good in actual fact it's very very good
0: Yeah. join it I imagine it was a it was an interesting experience I spoke yesterday to to Mark and Steve and Leslie and coming back to it was a real experience for them but yeah. uh, but it felt like a good one as well like they they really got a chance to bond again because you get more yeah. time this time with with. It's, it's with one of these things I mean Phil is like a, a massive you know it's like a massive
4: big warm shadow that's gonna kind of followed me through my whole career so um, getting the opportunity to go back to that and revisit that again you know it's, it's, it's a kind of comforting thing in a way
0: when did that come up for you because uh, Mark said he got an email from Simon uh, Steve says he got a phone call. What, what 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 was it for you?
4: It was carrier pigeon for me. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was it was emails. Uh, I, know, I know Simon and I have sort of been in touch through the years as well, and uh, email came in a couple of years ago. Um, and, well, you know, prior to that, he'd been asked to kind of you know do a. Sequel, or come up with a sequel to Phil Monty as, as a movie. And it was never something that he was interested in. Never, I wouldn't have been interested in that either, to be honest. Mm. Um, but as I say, when he, a couple of years ago when he, when, when he got in touch, he said, well, how about, how about doing this now, 25 years later, as an eight-part TV series investigating these people's lives and how they are and how they've been. And I thought, this, this sounds like an extremely good idea.
0: <laughs> and there's no nudity. That's, that's one of the things to establish rightfully off mate
4: nobody wants to see that believe me <laughs>
0: that's one of the things i thought was i mean I, I thought the series was was great and one of the things i thought was fascinating about it is that it is it's a full monty in in name only not to give too many spoilers yeah. away for people who, who yeah, haven't right. who haven't got to it yet
4: it is in, in name only but of course um that, that that is that is the kind of, you know, the hook that you have to hang the whole thing on. That's what gets people interested. That's what gets people watching. But um, it's got it's got nothing to do with that. You know, I mean they kind of the phrase the film onto, you know, I mean, going the whole way kind of thing. Hmm. It doesn't really have any relevance to to, to the T V show, really. Yeah. Um, so it's it's really it's really just the name of the film is the only thing that's, that that's uh, remains from that time.
0: Yeah, there's there's uh, obviously it's it's talked about, it's mentioned, it's referenced, you know, talked about how how it changed the lives of all the characters and there's uh again, without giving anything away, there's a there's a very funny reference to it in an an episode uh in which yeah. shall we say an unlikely hostage situation develops. <laughs>
4: <laughs> yes, unlikely hostage. <laughs> um yeah, and it's it's very funny. Uh, it is very funny. And it's kinda of, it's meant to be it's meant to be kind of like kind of kinda of stupid and kind of pathetic. Um but there was never any any any, any you know talk or, or discussion about should we take our clothes off again. This, n- <laughs> n- never.
0: No matter how much you insisted. <laughs> 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 yes. What's it gonna happen? You
4: just didn't listen to me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> put it back on, Robert, put it back on. Yeah. Um, but but it's interesting as well because because of that, this is a real deep dive into these characters, into Gaz and Dave and Jean and, and Lomper and, and and all the gang. Uh, you know, horse's yeah. arc, and this is really bittersweet it's and it's sad it's and devastating. devastating. Yeah. I and Mark Yerste was saying whenever Simon first got in touch with him that, you know, Simon said, you yeah, know, it's time to do a State of the Nation piece. And yeah. this feels like it is a piece that is driven by barely repressed anger about the, about the, the, the you know, the way that everything seems to be going to the dogs. Yeah,
4: well, you know, tw- twenty five years um, hasn't been kind, you know, for these people it hasn't been kind for for a lot of people. Twenty five years of austerity, mm. and that that's chipped away at people's lives, and it's chipped away at these characters. That's for sure. Chipped away at the very infrastructure of the country. You know, the the, the mess that we've got with the, the NHS, and you know, the way things are, are, are going. Even these rail strikes, nursing strikes. You know, it's right. I mean, that that a state. I think that's right to say it's a state of the nation piece. Because um, back then in '97, when when when, it, when the the film came out, Blair had just came in. You know, remember the things can only get better moment with Neil Kinnock. If you remember that kind of mm-hmm. embarrassing moment, well, things didn't get better. Things, in actual fact, have got worse. And uh, I think that the these characters' lives in this show kind of reflect that, and I think they will reflect a lot of people's experience in the last twenty five years.
0: Yeah, it, it, yeah, it's 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 multifaceted. There's there's all sorts of stuff going on. Gaz uh, is in an interesting place. He's mm-hmm. still got that sort of roguish element to him. Uh, yeah. He ends the first episode in in an unlikely situation again. <laughs> what sort of conversations did you have with Simon about? Uh, how he evolved as a character over the last twenty five years. Or was this was it all Simon or did you bring ideas to the table yourself?
4: It's ninety-eight uh, percent Simon, you know, it's uh, you know, he's such a brilliant writer. You know, you don't mess with it, you know. He he he's he's come up with all of this. There's a couple of little things that I can have added in here and there, a couple of few lines here and there. The thing that I did want to add in was the kind of vanity, you know, the kind of moment when he's got his face mask on and the the, the nose hair clippers and stuff <laughs> like this and filing the nails. I thought he, because I'm sure that, that's Gaz, you know, he's going to try and hang on. He's not going to he's not going to go gracefully into old age. He's going to be dragged kicking and screaming. Um, <laughs> and that's that. He said he certainly is getting dragged kicking and screaming. So, but but mostly and mainly, and you know, I say 99 percent stuff. I so saw the brilliance of Simon before.
0: What's interesting as well is that his, his life is, I mean, he's still got a twinkle in the eye to an extent, but there's yeah. still a, there's a sense that things didn't quite go for him the way that if you were yeah. writing fan fiction, for example, you would say that what happened at the end of The Full Monty, all, all the guys would be propelled into this, this glorious happy ending and would last for 25 years and we'd pick up with him 25 years later and he wouldn't mm-hmm. be living in a caravan and he wouldn't have messed his life up in terms of his relations with his family. Uh, i thought it was really really interesting that you know there's there's a there's a darkness here uh, an yeah, inherent darkness well
4: it's, 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 thank you uh, and that, that's that's you know th- that's what i would have expected from from simon you know what i mean i think all of these characters and, and guys speak with guys he's exactly where you could have you kind of want him to be in a sense as a viewer you don't there's nothing Hollywood about this you know no one's been off and done anything stupid you know they they're they are where they are. They, these, they, these are victims of the last 25 years. He is still, you know, he's still as excitable as he always was, exuberant, and um, the man with a plan, even though his plans generally blow up in his face most of the time. he's, he, he's There's a lot of a love about the character. He's big-hearted, yeah. huge, big-hearted, and a great sense of justice, gas. You know, what's right and what's wrong. And I think, I think the interesting thing about that, of course, is that, that kind of goes through the family. That's the one thing they kind of share. Because destiny, the wonderfully named Destiny, <laughs> his daughter. Of course, Gazzy's daughter's going to call Destiny. Um, she has a, a sense of, 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 of what's right and what's wrong. And you see that that runs really strong through the arc of that character. And of course, his son, he's a policeman. There's another sense of right and wrong.
0: And what about returning to this role after after so many years away? I mean you, you had this experience recently with with Begby in Transporting yeah. 2, of course. Yeah. Is yeah. it like is it like putting on an old coat or do you have to take a while to get back into the rhythms of a character, the mannerisms of character, the voice of a character even?
4: Yeah. Um no, well the voice mainly because of course I, I don't I don't sound like that. Um <laughs> And also, you, you're trying to you're trying to get this kind of a Yorkshire accent, but also a Yorkshire accent that you used twenty five years ago. So it's a kind of a double kind of um, um, aim for me to, to to get to get to get it right. Not, you know, it's you know nothing's easy. I mean, nothing. Nothing in this business is easy. It's always difficult. There's always kind of problems and things that you have to kind of overcome in order to achieve anything. But if anything did make it easier, was the fact that I was in with all all these all these guys that we that I love from 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 twenty five years and this kind of thing that we all have this bond that we share through this film, which has been you know massive in our lives. So it was. It was what it was warmth, you know, and, and and just nice to be able to kind of look across the, the room in a scene and see those faces that have kind of kind of followed me my whole life. And it does I mean it's a corny thing to say, maybe, but it did genuinely feel like family. It felt like a kind of family thing that we were back together again. So that when when you've got that kind of uh when you've got that, when you've got that knowledge of each other, then there's a kind of shorthand. With the working with the scenes you can get to where you want to go an awful lot quicker without any discussion massive discussion about the stuff so um overall you know as i say, as I, say I can contradict myself that you know things nothing's ever easy but um knowing the 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 rest of the cast as well as i do smooth the
0: path mm. So I, I guess the first few days were were you keen to get a, a group day in on your first few days to help ease you back in, or or was it very much Gaz and Destiny or Gaz on his own?
4: Mm, it was actually, if I remember rightly, the first few days was just myself and Mark um, doing a couple of scenes, and it it took a while. I think it was. Um, it was maybe in this actually even the third week of filming before we actually did the cafe um scene. And oh. it was it was it was really only when the when we started to shoot the cafe stuff that I really felt that it was all back together again. You know, because all the faces are in about you everywhere prior to that, as I said, myself and Mark, and also myself in uh, the Destiny. Mm. Yeah, she's amazing. Yeah, fantastic. She's really great.
0: And uh I want to talk as, as well, Robert, about the the impact of the original and the way that hit and became this this cultural phenomenon. I have this memory edged in my brain, and no one else seems to remember this, of Simon doing an American Express advert. Do you remember that? At all?
4: Simon did an American Express advert? Simon
0: did, did an American Express advert. It was a uh, you know, full Monty screenwriter, Simon Beaufoy lounging by a pool, talking no. about yeah I, I'm, it, it, I, honestly either I so dreamt been this been or <laughs> I don't know I'm, <laughs>
3: I'm
0: sure <not> <laughs> it was just after the film came out and it was like it was all the rage and I just remember this and for me if that's if that's real if that exists and I haven't just dreamt it that kind of
4: I I'm, I think that's that's in another dimension <laughs> surely that didn't happen
0: after this, after this interview, ask Simon if he ever did, oh, uh, either an American Express advert or certainly a TV commercial where it was him by a pool. And the idea was that Full Monty had made him this incredible success. And now look at look at life and, and what it's like. Um, oh, okay. Ask him about it. He may, de- he may deny everything, but that will only just add to my... i add to giggling at myself. <laughs> but my point is that that movie changed everything for everybody.
5: Yes, With yes, the,
0: Including you, because obviously you'd had train spotting the year before, and you know, your life had already changed by that point. But even so, the success of that movie was it un- unparalleled in a way, even compared to what train yeah, had done?
4: Absolutely. I mean, I, I, li- leading up to, you know, it's, there's always kind of like steps on the way, you know what I mean? You can trace, trace back, and I'd, I'd done a few things. Um, uh, in britain that sort of led me to that point particularly um did a thing called cracker you know people might remember you know years and years ago that took me on a train spot and train spot and took me on a full Monty. um so it, there was there was a kind of a gradual kind of progression but but full Monty just blew open north america that was the main difference and it uh, opened up um, doors for me there and opportunities um so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I mean it's, it's not exaggerating at all to, to, to say that it was uh, life-changing.
0: And what was it like for you being in the, in the middle of that? Uh, I was speaking yesterday again to Mark and Leslie and Steve, and I was recalling my memories of that film coming out, because I lived in York at the time, and I had friends who worked in the Odeon Cinema, and just going to meet them after work three, four months after the film came out, and it was still playing in the main screen. And it would finish at 10.30 and the doors would open and literally hundreds of people would come down the stairs three, four months in. And I hadn't really seen anything like that before, especially for a British film. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's just, you know, that's just me as a, as a film student at the time watching that sort of stuff. What was it like for you being in the, in the middle of it?
4: it, it, it I mean, it, it's not, it's no, you know, exaggerating to say that it truly was a phenomenon. This phenomenon was, ta- was taking place. The first time I've ever, and only time I've ever actually went to see a film of mine in the cinema, because it, it came out, um, it was out about a, a month or two, and it's just this avalanche kind of thing was happening. I thought, "I'm going to see this. I can witness this. The thing, this thing that people are, are talking about." And I went to see it in Glasgow, baseball cap on at the back, and. Um, the, the reactions was, were just incredible. People, you know, laughing, cheering, standing up. You know, it was an incredible thing. It really, really touched people. Did something. Did something. I mean, if I knew why, I'd be a rich man because I'd be writing
0: <laughs>
4: movies like that myself.
0: If you knew why, uh, you would have done Full Monty. You'd be on Full Monty 27 by now.
4: <laughs>
0: <laughs> that would be interesting. <laughs> Well, that, that experience of watching that film at the time must have been really interesting. Did you leave before the very, very end? Because, you know, Robert, it has one of the most famous freeze frame endings in history and it is your backside amongst others that is a part of that freeze frame.
4: Yes, yes. Uh, no, I did. I stayed to the end. I mean, as soon as that happened, I was out. But um, no, I, I did. I watched I watched the whole thing. And of course, that the, the, the remarkable thing uh, about that as well was that... That um when the hats go and you, you see sort of behind, you know, the the, the, the all those characters in the in the, the, the four forefront behind you see this this sort of rise. There's a kind of and that's what happened because the whole thing was like an explosion went off in that that room when the hats went. Um and the same thing happened in the cinema. The same <laughs> thing happened. People jumped up, people cheered and stuff like that. I like, oh my god, this is I don't know. Life imitating art. That is wild. That is wild.
0: Uh, This may be deeply intrusive, um, but I have to ask did you guys go the full Monty or did you go Red Hot Chili Peppers with with some enhancements?
4: Nothing like that. It was utterly, utterly birthday suit material. (laughs)
0: Just make sure no one has cameras. Yeah, thank God it was nineteen ninety seven, right? So no one had camera phones. Well, you know, and...
4: Interestingly enough, um, th- 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 that was that was an issue because there actually was there was some some uh, early camera phones back then. Right, uh, um, Nokia had one, and it was me that said to, to production, "I said, look, make sure you're searching people coming in, and take their phones." And and there was a big kind of like kerfuffle about that. Because they didn't, they didn't want to do it. I said, "Well, I'm not doing this unless you get all the, these phones away." Thank God, because even just one rogue picture <laughs> could have really been extremely embarrassing <laughs> to put it mildly. And of course, these days, like photographs and stuff, it's in, you know, it's it's they're, they're there forever, aren't they? Suddenly on the net, and they circulate. That's it. So, thank God, there was no there was not no camera phones in the room. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it would be on TikTok before the day was out. That would be, yes. yeah, that'd be that'd be horrendous. But uh, I've got to go in a second. But I, I just wanted to ask one last thing about, uh, you know, we're talking about the the political content of the of the TV show and the kind of the the secret ingredient of the original film. And yeah, it's feel good, and yes, it it leaves you on a high and you bounce out of the cinema. But I think mm. people forget how political the first movie is and how Gaz and the guys are motivated by. The steel mills shut in, and you know their lives basically disintegrate in front of them. I think, mm. in a way, that's the secret ingredient. You know, it, it tapped into what people were feeling at the time.
4: You know, you you, you can't separate the politics for film Monty. You, you cannot separate it. It's it's it's, it's the, the politics is the reason why they did the strip in the first place. You know, and similarly, the politics is what actually drives this 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 show. Um. D- It's not, I mean, it's great that people remember it funny, you know what I mean? And that's, 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 because it was funny. This show, TV show is also funny, but it's, it's got more than that. It's got more than that. It's not just about, you know, certainly the TV show, we're not just trying to recreate what what happened in 1997, you know what I mean? There's just no way that would be just insane to try and do that. Mm. Uh, but this, this, this is this is a, a, a piece. I think about them as companion pieces now, really, in a sense. Yeah. And um, these are pieces with a heart, you know, and the hearts and the mind of Simon Boufoy and everybody um, involved. They're, they're good and honourable people, and um, we've tried to make a good and honourable show.
0: Absolutely, and uh, yeah, it ends in this. Uh, I'm not going to give away the the ending, but it's it's. A bittersweet ending, I would say, rather than the sort of triumphant ending of the uh, of the film. It's,
4: it's, I think it's beautiful. It's beautiful, and you know, I remember shooting and shit and love reading that particular episode. And it will definitely, uh, it will definitely, definitely, affect people. no doubt.
0: Absolutely. Uh, is this it, or do you think you guys might come back? Not not another twenty five years, but. Is, <laughs>
4: Well, you never say never, you know, you know, I mean, who have thought we were coming back 25 years later. So who knows? Who knows? Um, I, mean, I, I love the character. I love the world, the terrain. Um, it's, 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 where I, it's where I come from. I mean, these are my type of people. And I love telling stories that um giving voice to people who don't have a
0: voice. Robert Carlyle, it's been an absolute pleasure. But I'm going to let you go. Uh, thanks so much for your time. Nice to talk to you. All the best. All right, so that was Robert Carlyle, and now let's talk about the full Monte. Full Monte. Uh, let's talk about full Monte, shall we? Uh, shall we start at the beginning? Nineteen ninety-seven. Kay, I don't imagine you were alive then. <laughs> no, barely. Barely I was alive. A twinkle in
6: my uh, my dad's eye.
0: But yes, you you were a young whippersnapper, Jimbo. You and I are old relics. Yeah. Um, but uh, what are your memories
5: of the full Monte? I believe I went to see it after reading the Empire Review.
6: Wow, look at that! So on brand, yeah, so on brand. always
5: on brand. And then I went and saw it in the cinema because it was—I mean, it was buzzy, wasn't it? People were talking about it. Even you know, even after the first week, I think it opened pretty strong, didn't it? So it
0: did, yeah, uh, yeah. So apparently, it opened in the states first, and then became a bit of a phenom over there. And then it actually weirdly opened here after that. That, that is and strange. Yeah, that is very, very strange. I wonder That's what, what
5: Mark Addy says, which is an interesting thing because it's—it's it's a very. British film in the way that this is a very British series. In that there's a lot in here, I think, regardless of where you're where, where you're coming at it from. But I think certainly the political side of it hits differently if you're from the UK, because both the first film, which begins with that brilliant 70s informational video, Sheffield is glorious. Come and see our <laughs> wonderful steelworks. Look, there are people shopping in the shops and swimming in swimming pools. Sheffield is really going places. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's absolutely incredible. And then it segues straight until the, you know, it's been... Empty for ten years, the yeah. kind of the, the steel mill is all kind of knackered No, not empty. For, they've worked there for ten years. They have worked. And there the for 10 steel years, yes. mill is abandoned, it is. and it's all about essentially the working Sheffield class steel. and mm-hmm. the decline of manufacturing in the Midlands. Yes. Isn't it? So, and that's you know that's something I imagine Americans might have been a little bit lost in at the time. Yeah, but I think that's a universal thing. Well, yeah, especially if you same. look at the Rust Belt in the U.S. You look Precisely. at Detroit, look at Motor City. Yep, I mean, it's a very similar phenomenon, isn't it? So. Very
0: much so, mm. very much so. And I think there was a universality to that, and and also it's 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 wonderful, glorious, feel-good ending of a movie. But it is it's it's Ken Loachian, it's Mike Lee, and mm. <laughs> strange word to say, but Lee and Lee-esque. That's a much better way of saying it. Uh, in 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 the fact that it is the first movie is Trojan Horse in all these themes and all the uh, all this kind of rancor about the system and the state of the world. And that is much less Trojan Horst, I would say, yeah. in the full Monty, the, the TV show.
6: But also, I mean, obviously it was about all those things, but the camaraderie and the feel-good factor was so high. And as you say, that is a universal theme and it really comes across in this new series as well mm. about them all pulling together.
0: Can I, can I make a confession <laughs> as well? I wasn't a big fan of the film when it first came out.
6: Ooh, that is a big confession. Why not?
0: Uh, because I was I was studying film at the time in York And I've talked in both the interviews about how ubiquitous it was and how you couldn't go anywhere uh, in in York, which obviously was just fairly close to Sheffield. You know, all all, all part of Yorkshire, isn't it? Uh, York is part of Yorkshire. Hot hot scoop there, Chris. (laughs) Um, And my friends and I, we we kind of, I think we reacted against its success after a while. We just became a little bit fed up with it. Um, And it took me a long time to kind of get, past that you know it's a very British thing isn't it that idea of something that's a huge success I mean it's hard now to really think about how big this was Those the, the anecdote I told them, they Robert Carlyle and Mark Addy Leslie Sharp Steve who was in interviews was absolutely true three months in four months into this thing's run and you would go to meet your mates at Odeon York Odeon they'd be getting off work at 10.30, the last movie of the night would be playing and it was still The Full Monty <laughs> and it was still in screen one and it would still disgorge literally hundreds of people coming down the stairs. And what was interesting, as Mark Addy alluded to, was watching the demographics change over over time as it got slightly older and then more more blokes started going to see it. That was fascinating. But yeah, I had a bit of my, a bit of a kind of like, what? what, what? Stop, shut up about The Full Monty, will you? Yeah, not...
6: PTSD. You'd, you'd been I exposed to it too much. A
0: little bit. So weirdly enough, when the news came that they were making it again I was like really? Is there something is there a story there to tell? And I revisited the film I hadn't seen it in a long time about 25 years I revisited the film last year and um, honestly I was was very much taken aback by how much I liked it Mm. this time
5: around but it's not what you think. Like, in your it's memory, yes. it's a comedy about strippers. And it is neither a comedy, nor is it about strippers. Precisely. Uh, and that's what's quite interesting about it. It's about male bonding. It's a drama. It's part political commentary. It's like, as you say, it's the kind of thing you can imagine Mike Lee, Ken Loach, would have gone in there in their donkey jackets and given a, a curt nod and walked out at the end. They'd have been pleased. <laughs> They'd have given it a tacit seal of approval, I think. <laughs>
0: a tacit seal of approval.
5: Yes. Yeah. Ken would have buffed the... Uh, the corduroy patches on his jacket. <laughs> he would. But he'd, he'd approve. But, and I, what I liked about this series, because I wasn't sure where this series yes. was going to go, because you're thinking, like, this is not going to be about stripping. I was reasonably certain from the get-go, unless they were teaching a new generation of male strippers. Thankfully, that is not the case. But what it does is it dials into what the film which was really about, which is about the abandonment of the working class. And if you think of the first one, so 97, was that pre- or post-Blair I can't remember was, Blair Witch was, or you know, Tony Blair. Blair Witch. Yeah, I mean interchangeable. But do you know what I mean? Like, when was it? When? When? When did New Labour get in? Uh, thought...
0: New Labour got in. Well, it would have been in May, May nineteen
5: ninety-seven. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So like, whereas, and this is very much a reflection of like, you know, years and years of austerity, right? So mm-hmm. it hits a lot harder and it's very much, it's a commentary on levelling up. It's a commentary on the abandonment of the North, the abandonment of the working classes and how there's no help for people who need help. And they don't, they don't pull their punches on this. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's funny in places. It's really, you know, I think it's very funny in places. Yeah. 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 But it has a very serious point to make and it doesn't mess about. Like, it makes that point quite starkly and brutally. And Mm. I think it's difficult to watch this without feeling slightly ashamed of, Mm. you know, the fact that we are part of a society that Basically, leaves people to their own devices and abandons them. Um, we should say that we've we've seen all eight episodes. Yeah, yeah, but
0: uh, we're only going to discuss. I mean, we you know I, I touch upon certain things that happened in mm-hmm. the in the interviews, but we're gonna we're gonna avoid spoilers. So, so fear not about that. But I think it's 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 fair to say that this is a huge part of it. Like Dave and Gene, who I think are in many ways with the emotional heart of the show. Are you know they work at this school? Gene is the the headmistress and Dave is the janitor and so immediately you got that that disparity in standing and the status there right away which is very very interesting you got a, a trauma that happened which we learn about in, in the show as you heard it in, in the interview and there's something else going on under the surface of their marriage as well but because they both work at the same school it's very much about how funding has been cut there is no funding I, I have friends who work in schools I have friends who are teachers and this is very much the reality that uh, there is no funding that a roof will cave in from time to time and it is up to the the teachers and the staff to kind of you know on their, of their own devices try and raise funds to, mm-hmm. to fix this stuff and uh, there is there is a feeling of of a, a stark feeling of of helplessness and and, and barely repressed anger mm-hmm. is a phrase I've used a couple of times already, but that runs through this as Simon Beaufoy and uh, Alice Nutter, the who basically is his co-writer in this, you know, clearly feel very, very passionately about what is happening in this country right now.
5: Yeah. And the bureaucratic callousness, the fact that there is no sympathy or indeed humans half the time you can get hold of. And when you do, nobody seems to be interested And this deals with, you know, it deals with the education sector. It deals with the NHS. It deals with the whole universal credit debacle, uh, you know, small businesses. It's, it, you know, it's got quite a broad remit.
6: I really feel that. Um, most pertinently with the character of Horse Mm -hmm. and uh, Mm. played by Paul Barber and, you know, how he's treated throughout and, you know, I won't spoil anything, but he really goes through it and you see how, you know, it's so easy for people to be forgotten about and, you know, left to really just quite... Chronic and awful situations and how that affects them and their mental health, their physical health. But yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's really retained its DNA, which is social commentary on everything that they've experienced up there and like and been abandoned. And I think I really love how actually the opening scenes, like a montage, showing how, you know, a nod to the past, how they all got together, but also um, a summary of like the time that's elapsed, which is basically seven prime ministers, eight northern regeneration policies <laughs> later, and nothing really has, you know, improved. They're still in in a really dire situation
0: mm-hmm. yeah there's a, there's a great transition in the opening montage uh that goes from them walking towards the working men's club where they they do the, the 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 big show at the end of the full monty and then it fades into what it's like today which is basically it's closed it's dilapidated mm-hmm. it's run down and it's like oh right there that's the show in microcosm right there but you know it does have its its Humorous moments. Obviously, mm. it does have its heartfelt moments as well. There's uh, some some really interesting stuff going on with with Gaz in particular, who is still a kind of Jack the Lad. He's still a bit of a rogue. He still makes terrible, terrible decisions. <laughs> and I thought it was interesting, as I said in the um, interview with Robert Carlyle, which I know you guys have listened to. There are there's an obvious way that Simon Beaufoy could have gone with you know when he was making a a, a sequel essentially. The obvious way is we're coming back for one more show. Something's happening. One of us is in dire straits, needs needs money to pay for a big medical bill or something like that. And so we'll do it one more time. Uh, or And he, he avoids that very, very neatly. Uh, or another way to go would have been to show that this thing, this event, kind of had a great effect on everybody and bounced him into a, this glorious, prosperous future. And that's not what happens at all. Or well, they we go down up... to
6: London and they start a full-time stripping career. Yes. I would love that.
0: That would be great. And they'd least start Magic Mike.
6: <laughs> yes, they are the OGs. Absolutely. <laughs> Coining it in in the West End.
0: Magic Mike XS. <laughs> <laughs> I'm guessing. I'm guessing. Um, but, um, yeah, but they don't do that. You know, when we start off, like Dave and Jean seem to be happy on the surface, but there might be something else going on there. Uh, Horse is in a bad way. And Gaz, Gaz is basically just, you know, he's living in a caravan. He's kind of messed up his various relationships and he's still, you know, living on the fly and living on the sly. And trying to get mattresses
5: onto buses. Yes,
6: God loves a trier. <laughs> he, in every aspect of his life, He uh, <laughs> He's yeah. certainly trying. Yeah. Could you get a mattress onto a bus? I mean he did quite carefully he, he, you know? he did I mean that is a spoiler but he did get the mattress on the bus he had he did to pay quite full carefully. fare though yeah.
0: no he had to pay a half fare he did he, 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 managed, he, got, a half he got away fare? with it he got away with it He managed, he's
6: racking her impressive he work all, yeah. he
0: managed to persuade the driver that the mattress must be under 16 so therefore <laughs> <laughs> pay a junior fare it's not bad I don't think I could do that. I don't have the gift of the gab. They wouldn't let way.
6: you on. They wouldn't let you through. They wouldn't let me on <laughs> You're
0: not bringing that old threadbare thing on here. <laughs> yeah. Talking to the mattress. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, James. <laughs> I set him up. <laughs> <laughs> you very much lock him down. Um, but yeah, I, I, but, but looking at the show, yeah, so they don't do the obvious thing. Simon Boufoy doesn't do the obvious thing. So were you guys impressed by that? I was I, I have to say I was impressed by that. I was very very glad that it wasn't the let's do one more show mm. thing.
6: I was very relieved because as we know there's so many remakes now. A lot of them unnecessary in my opinion, but to find out like this was sort of like a continuation what happens next and also like you know, they've breathed new life in it by having new characters to follow. So the younger generation that we get to see, which I think they've been well cast. Yeah, really and well actually, cast. And actually, like, mm-hmm. so there's um, Destiny, played mm-hmm. by Talitha Wing, who's fantastic as Gaz's daughter. Mm-hmm. And also um, Twiggler, a character called Twiggler, um, which actually was my nickname at school. Um, what Eddie really? Mo- yeah, genuinely. Probably won't go into it now, but yeah, <laughs> tell you off pod. Um, who's, uh, yeah, he's also known as Dean, and he's played by Aidan Cook. Um, and he strikes up a really sweet and quite amusing relationship with Mark Addy's character, Dave. Um, Dave yeah, and um, and that's really joyful to see. And again, it's all you know, they I think what he uh, the writer does so well, Simon, is that he just he kind of raises these he's still raising important issues, but you know, in a completely, you know, realistic and authentic way. It's not heavy handed. And with these two younger characters particularly, we kind of see from their point of view how growing up in poverty is for them and the different things they have to navigate and how tough it is for them. Um and how like people like Gaz is just trying to do the best he can, but yeah, it's always falling short.
5: No, just but going back to you, what you said about how it kind of surprised you. I think it's the difference between Disney saying, "Hey, look, we've got an IP we can rinse and drafting in like a jobbing screenwriter to do another run at the Volmonti or a remake of the Volmonti mm. or having the original screenwriter who clearly still has a story to tell picking up the pieces and, and and actually creating something that means something to them. Yeah.
0: Does anyone else just before we get into into that a little bit more. The Robert Carlyle interview. I talked about this American Express commercial that Simon Beaufoy did. Do no either of meant. you remember this? No. Nope.
6: No. Can you act it out now? So basically, it was it was something like it was on TV.
0: It was maybe a year after Full Monty, maybe six months after Full Monty, and it was Simon Beaufoy by a pool in Hollywood. And the basic idea was, and and you know that song, "You Sexy Thing," was playing on the soundtrack, and he was basically. Love and Life, <laughs> and everyone was going. Here's the full Monty screenwriter, Simon Beaufoy, and look what he's doing because he's got his American Express card, and. I swear, to, I, I swear to you I didn't dream this.
5: It seems like an odd thing to do. He's not the most recognisable person.
0: I know, right?
5: That's the interesting thing about it.
6: I'm going to say part of your, you know, you talked about your trauma of having you had to see it so much when you were growing up. I think your brain has done something where it's created a, something that was not true. Yeah, You ever think you've dreamt it or your brain has tried to protect you from other things and has now made up this commercial because I don't think it exists. And no. have you? more importantly, have you been able to find anything on the interweb about it?
0: Talk amongst yourselves.
6: Yeah, exactly. That silence tells you everything. He's made it up. Wow. I, have, it. I haven't
0: made it up. <laughs> Evidence to the contrary. I haven't made it up. While whilst I Google Simon Beaufoy uh, commercial, uh, let's talk about <laughs> something else. Let's talk about uh, yeah. Let's, let's continue Kay's thought about the new generation, shall we? Because Destiny is so much fun. Yeah. in this show, what a great character.
5: Yeah, it is a nice character, but also he brings you something else i think for from a purely interest level it gives something for younger viewers to sort of maybe latch onto characters they can identify with slightly more which i think is a good thing to do but it gives you a broader spectrum i think it's like it's showing that these issues are not just affecting the core characters not just affecting older people it's affecting the young people as well and like you know she's someone who's almost like a forgotten student right like she's clearly very smart clearly very bright clearly very talented but because she comes from an impoverished background is not getting support no one really cares no one really listens she's been essentially written off at her school and you know there's at some point there is a point where this is directly addressed like if she looked different if she sounded different if she came from a different background she would be at a good college she would be able to go to a good school all these things would be very different for her uh, Terry well, White also, would have an awful lot to say on yeah, yeah, I can't was. help but feel <laughs>
6: um, but also you know that she is being di- both of them are being directly affected by the hits and the cuts to the education yeah. system, right? Mm. So they are literally. I mean, Destiny's character particularly is very into music, and her, you know, the, with the the school in disrepair, you know, often the music room isn't even available for them to use, and yeah. like, you know, no one seemingly no money to fix it. Yeah, cares in terms of the uh, council, etc. But yeah, mm.
5: and it's also it deals with that idea that you know other cuts to youth services and whatnot. When kids don't have anything to do or anywhere to be,
2: mm.
5: they end up. Stealing dogs. I was say. <laughs> you know, who among us has not? In fact,
2: we've
6: all been there. Um.
0: We've all nicked a prize poodle <laughs> or two in our time, haven't we? <laughs>
6: But yeah, no, totally. Also, I like that little nod to a uh, good cultural reference Yeah, um, with that particular storyline. I really like the, uh, particularly Twigler and his relationship with Dave, because I thought it was so sweet. And also because it, it investigates further Dave's background and things that have happened to him and um, and with his wife, mm-hmm. uh, Jean. And and I don't know, I just, I've, I was really emotionally invested in that and um, where Dean would end up. But yeah. I think the new gen, a uh, welcome edition.
0: It's mm. not just a new gen, though. I mean, as Leslie Sharp was saying, you know, and this isn't a she's an amazing actress. She wasn't saying that, but I'm saying that. Leslie Sharp is an amazing actress. And, you know, she doesn't she's not the focus of the full Monty film. And the obvious one of the obvious bonuses of doing this as a limited edition show means that you have effectively eight hours to play with. And you can give an actress of her caliber more to do so she does become one of the key emotional driving points of the show and she's great she's fantastic
5: Yes, I know. I agree. I, I I thought the relationship between those two because it's tinged with tragedy, and it's it's a continuation of what we saw in the first one, isn't it? Where it's all about Dave's body image, like he has body image issues, he has confidence problems, and part of his storyline in that film is him overcoming those issues and kind of embracing who he is. And I like that in this, not only is he trying to kind of impart that message onto Twiglet, which is lovely, but also the fact that he's wrestling with personal tragedy and still trying to communicate with his partner which he wasn't doing in the first film and is still obviously that's still a, a point of uh, uh, you know point of contention between them mm-hmm.
6: and it's such a big i mean these are just big issues that are like constantly you know they as you said in the first film like communication was a massive thing that he was failing to do and this time round again it's like they all seem to like cyclical going through the same sort of issues but are so, still obviously so relatable to the audience
0: Very much so. Very much so. And there's other characters as well who are, uh, you know, outside the OG. um, Although he is an OG, uh, which is Wim Snape, who plays Gaza's son Nathan from the first film. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, as a Snape I presume he spent the last 25 years terrorizing Harry Potter but (laughs) but now he's back 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 too
6: easy Uh, he's back and also his his character I mean the the where we find him is just so ironic given his roots and it's and I think that's a nice touch as well
0: Mm mm-hmm Yes, (laughs) Yes, it's <laughs> called uh, sleeping with the enemy. I think mm-hmm. is,
6: yep.
0: is is one way of putting that. But it, there is something to be said about just the the lovely nostalgia factor of of this as well. You know, it's it's hard hitting, but it does have these lovely detours into into comedy. There's a funny bit with Lumper, as I alluded to, uh, where he he goes to Sheffield United's Bramall Lane Stadium and does a bit of. Business that is very Harold Lloyd esque, <laughs> um, which is which is wild. There's a a future episode where they end up inadvertently being held hostage. A few of them, which is, but again, that is like Dog Day Afternoon, right? So it's a guy with a a legitimate grievance to air, who makes a point, makes a stand, mm-hmm. and our characters, our heroes, get caught up in that. Um, and that, of course, is the closest any any of them come to recreating the original yes. movie in a, which I thought was nice. In
5: a, in a, I would say in a tribute that works very well in this context. Precisely. Yeah, it's nice. Precisely.
0: But there's a lot of stuff going on there and I really, really did get a kick out of watching that original cast come back. Tom Wilkinson's not in it a huge amount but it's always nice to see Tom Wilkinson. Mm-hmm. Um, you get a sense... Or I did anyway. In the interviews, you get a sense that all of them have a slightly different relationship with the film and the phenomenon that it became. And some of them really used it as a springboard and a, a stepping stone to, to bigger things. And others maybe found it a bit of a millstone around their neck. And I imagine there was a little bit of reconciliation that had to happen before some of the cast members committed to come back to this. I'm glad they did because you know they get a chance to really explore. Different avenues of their characters,
6: and I don't think it would have been the same if, like, the majority of them hadn't wanted to do it. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think it needed to be all of them, or as near to all of them as possible.
0: Yeah, uh, I and I guess it's I guess there's not, there aren't there not that many scenes really where um you get to see them all together, but uh, but there is a new character he's introduced. We haven't really talked about, which is uh, Miles Chupp as uh, as Darren, mm. and uh, he's very very good in it. He is good actually, yeah. and I think
5: he. he- provides a slightly different flavour of character I really liked him I also liked the fact that because obviously all the characters spend they get their own little storylines you'll get certain character focused episodes as it goes on. I really enjoyed his character focused episode which deals with a kind of an immigration related issue uh, which is nice but yeah he's, he's he's quite charming fun he's you know you get the sense he's kind of a decent guy in a slightly awkward situation given the nature of his job um, but yeah and, and his interactions with Leslie Sharp in particular were I thought uh, a lot of fun Yes, yeah.
6: Also, Tara uh, Lynn O'Neill, a.k.a. Mm-hmm. the mum from Derry Girls. Yes. She
5: right. had a great
6: yeah. role in this as well. I love yes. her cropping up. She's very good. Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. Good cast. Deep mm, bench.
6: Really great cast. Deep
5: bench. <laughs> have you guys ever been to Sheffield?
6: No, should we go? Did we, we do should. a podcast a in Sheffield?
0: Did we do a podcast in Sheffield? I don't think we did. No, we I didn't. Have, no. I th-
5: have, I, do you know what? I genuinely don't know. I'm yeah. up for it. Let's do it. Let's do it now. Do we should it. be doing this yeah. podcast from Sheffield. Live. Do it. <laughs> we
0: should have done it from the Crucible Theatre in Sheffield. Yeah, we should. Yeah, I've been to Sheffield twice. Twice. Once I visited the set of Paddy Considine's Journeyman, his uh, second movie as director. And uh, I had to go, uh, I had to I had to pay a little pilgrimage to the Crucible Theatre in Sheffield, which is where the World Snooker Championship takes place every year. Uh, and I've got tickets for next year. I'm finally going. I'm taking, I'm taking another one off my... Great sporting defence bucket list. I cannot wait.
6: I was trying. Cannot, to, I was wait. going to try and rela- you know kind of bond with you. some name, but Stephen Hendry's so out of the game now. I can't even. No, wait.
0: Stephen Hendry still. He's a. Uh, my sister was a
6: big fan of snooker. So I, used to, I used to watch a lot of snooker, and I remember, yeah, a lot of it. You know, in the Crucible. Stephen I have Hendry, no
0: clue
5: what da- of you are talking right. about. Can you name a single snooker player, James? The whirlwind. <laughs> <laughs> Is it, was it Jimmy <laughs> Davis? Was that his name? Jimmy Davis. I don't know. Hurricane. Someone, the whirlwind. The Whirlwind, yes. Yeah. yeah, Whirlwind, Jimmy White. We see the
0: one. Oh, that's a Jimmy White. Jimmy that was it. Jimmy Whirlwind, White. Yeah. yeah. With the upside Higgins down glasses. Well. Alex Hurricane Higgins. Yeah. Yeah. Rocket, Ronnie O'Sullivan. No. Oh,
6: yeah. I love Ronnie.
0: Hmm. <laughs> it's gone off pace. It's gone off pace. <laughs> um, just, I just love mentioning sports to James Morrison oh, The God, light I die in his eyes. Well, I'm, I'm fami-
5: it's one of these things. I'm familiar with the concept of sport. Oh, just not the details. I think he'd like snooker. I really wouldn't. i even like to play I get bored playing Snooker. so you've played Snooker, so now you admit that you've played Snooker. I have played Snooker. I have badly, obviously. Right. As you Obviously. will remember when we had an office pool table my ability to I That's get bored right. my, my strategy for all of these things is to line up the balls pick one doesn't really matter which one hit it as hard <laughs> as humanly possible and then try and use the force to will it into one of the pockets <laughs> you know, I can't be dealing with angles and pressure and spin and any of this it's just slam the ball and hope that they all pop themselves Love Whereas the whereas I I mean some
0: people have called me the most talented player of my generation I mean admittedly I'm the one who says that but, but still but still, touched by genius. Back to the full Monty, okay?
6: I just—I'm um, no spoilers, but I've just no spoilers. Just got to tell you that. I mean, obviously, it's very funny and all—you know, great cast, etc. Et but it does, as we've said, pack a huge emotional punch. And I just have to get a warning to listeners that by the end, I was a human puddle. It's really <laughs> emotional, like it really pulls on the heartstrings, it and does. it's brilliant. Like I just found it so well, well drawn and well played at the end that, yeah. You, you'll you think about it for a very long time. But
5: after also this. The, the stark contrast, right? Because it has been quite a long time. Mm. Like a lot of these, like this, the nature of the sort of streaming era is we've had a lot of, you know, casts coming together to revisit old roles, but rarely after this amount of time has passed. So I think the contrast is quite noted here. Um,
6: Did you shed a little tear? A, li-
5: well, a little bit, a little bit. Yeah. Like it made me quite sad. The final episode in particular, I thought, was, oh, was really lovely.
6: Absolutely. Yeah.
5: yeah. Yeah, it's a beautiful ending.
6: Get those tissues ready.
5: Yeah.
0: Because the first film. Uh, you know again as I said Robert Carlyle but the first film has you know one of the great freeze frame endings mm. genuinely it's like a, it's a very very it's a little cheeky it's a little cheeky a lot cheeky in fact there's about there's about <laughs> 12 there's yeah. about 12 of them uh, but it's such a fun way to go out and I think that sort of kind of triumphant punch the air yeah. ending
5: not least of all because it literally was a full Monty moment so. it was yeah mm. yeah it he delivered did it real one take Yes, <laughs>
6: I didn't realise that. I, yeah. yeah.
5: Well, I don't think they told anyone no, at the so time. The, the is my understanding was genuine? Yeah. yeah. So every you can't actually see an awful lot of the reaction because it's very much focused on the buns of steel in the foreground. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, they they did whip the hats off and chuck them in the air. I
6: would love to know if they did any like you know bit of extra workouts beforehand. If you know the actors were well,
5: they were being plied to... with alcohol by all accounts during yeah, the day. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, but just, in
6: terms of the buns of steel, the
5: buns of steel. Mm-hmm. You think they did some sort of Bonnie Langford beforehand? Can
6: you press up. No, no. What would that be? What would you do? Who knows? Squats. Squats? You think squats?
0: Let's just leave it there, shall we? Let's leave it to the imagination, (laughs) shall we? Um, Whatever Chris's
6: regime is. There's
0: 250 to 300 people in Sheffield who've seen the full Monty, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. You know, the tales they could tell. Indeed. This show does not end with the full Monty, but it does end with the full Monty emotionally. And Mm. um, would you be up for more of this?
6: 100%. I really, really enjoyed this. Mm. I thought it was really good, and it did the you know, it honoured the original, but also moved it on. And I just thought it was great, yeah. So I definitely season two, please.
0: Disney. Season two, season two, aye, right. full Monty,
5: Jimbo. I feel I I think it has a near perfect ending. So it's one of those things where I'd almost be happier if it stood as it is, because I I, I think it's like a, a perfectly contained coda to the to the larger story. I almost don't think you want to to build on that. Hmm. But we'll see. We shall see. We shall see, indeed. Uh, and
0: I'm going to continue scouring the internet for this Simon Beaufoy yeah, commercial, which doesn't I'm yeah. telling you, that it only exists. exists
6: in your mind.
0: Okay, Simon Beaufoy, if you're listening to this, and I know that you are, please <laughs> come forward and confirm that you starred as yourself in a TV commercial for a credit card. It may not be American Express, might have been Barkley Card. might have been Mastercard, Access, might have been Visa, might have been AX- Oh, I'll, I'll Google that. cuz <laughs> nothing's coming up. Nothing's coming up. But I swear to you, I swear to you it happened. It was soundtracked by you sexy thing by Hot Chocolate and I it, I, I, I I oh god, I'm going mad.
6: Okay, so if you're right we will, we will get you something. We'll you get you will... something small. A chocolate bar. right? A no, no, no.
0: Here's, yeah. Here's a twiglet. One. A twiglet. If... Yeah,
6: we'll get you a we'll packet of twiglets. And if you're wrong... <laughs> I don't like twiglets. You've, you've got to do the full Monty <laughs> through, in, throughout, past all these. Studios. No, no, no. At
5: the next live podcast. Oh,
6: yeah, of course. I'm yeah. thinking. Yeah. I was playing too small. Sorry. At the London Chris.
5: <laughs> Podcast Festival. Chris will do the full Monty. he will go
2: big. Can I leave London? And world? then you'll go home and back. I can't balance. leave the island. <laughs> <laughs>
6: okay,
0: I'm not sure I'm going big. <laughs> <laughs> go big or go home. Yeah. I'm Office, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, can I get my hat on? No. Oh, damn it. Uh, no. Okay. Here's what's going to happen. Here's what's going to happen. Hot stuff. Here's what I'll do. Here's what I'll do. If if I can somehow prove the existence of the Simon Bofoy commercial, you guys have to pay for me to go to America to recreate it <laughs> at the by the pool of a top...
5: Los Angeles. As photo. long as okay. we can put it on Simon Beaufort's credit card, that's no problem at all.
6: <laughs> my counter, my counter offer would be that we send you, we buy you a ticket to Sheffield. You go to a local swimming pool there and you do it there.
0: I'm totally up for that. Yeah. Yeah. Right, deal. As long as it's next April when the World Snooker Championship is on. Because <laughs> yeah. I haven't actually booked my train ticket yet. We're up so, for that. Yeah. All right. Okay. Good. Full Monty. Right. On that note, that is it for this full Monty podcast in association with Disney Plus. All episodes are available to watch right now on Disney Plus. And all that remains now is for me to say thank you to my two colleagues of such lethal cunning, Kay Ribeiro. Goodbye. Goodbye. James Dyer. Goodbye. And it's it's goodbye for me as well. I'm off to furiously Google Simon Beauforty commercial. Any combination of Barkley card, anything, anything at all. I want to go to Sheffield. I am going to go to Sheffield. Thank you so much for listening. See you next time. You can leave your hat on. Hey everybody, it's Chris here, just jumping in real quick to let you know that I found no evidence of Simon Beauvoy having done an advert when I searched all the usual search engine suspects. I found no evidence of Simon Beauvoy having done an advert at all until I turned to Twitter and I asked people, did they remember an advert where Simon Beauvoy was by a swimming pool and Twitter? Responded Not only overwhelmingly in the affirmative, but they also responded with a link to it on YouTube as part of a series of adverts that were captured during recording of an episode of Inspector Morse from the year 2000, would you believe? And there, lo and behold, is Simon Beaufoy walking through LAX airport in the back of a cab, having dinner alone at Spago's, the idea being that he can walk through LA Unannounced, and no one will take any notice of him until he sits down and writes on his laptop by a pool, taking off his clothes and stripping down to his underpants to the tune of You Sexy Thing by Hot Chocolate. And the advert was not for a credit card, I will grant you that. It was for a company called Sintegra. Still not entirely sure what they do, but. Uh, They have justified me. They have vindicated me and they've made me realise I was not insane and I was not making it up. So take that, James Dyer. Take that, Kay Ribeiro. And take that, Robert Carlyle. Shame on you all for doubting me. Right. On that note, I'm off to look up train times for Sheffield. Thanks so much for listening. See you next time. This time, it is goodbye.